0: I'm Jamie Neal, host of 360 Yourself. In 2014, I had a breakdown and was hospitalised. Too much work, too much anxiety, too much coffee, not enough self-care and not enough balance. In the hospital, laying over my thoughts, I had to rethink my entire life. The doctor said I was overworked and my body gave up. Now, I'm not gonna say it wasn't scary, but it was a turning point for me. From there, I started to rebuild myself reading hundreds of self-help books and questioning everything from, why do we have triggers? What is ego? What is persistence and motivation? What is manifesting? And what is identity? Many years later, someone recommended that I start a podcast. I was always curious about how others lead their lives and thus, 360 Yourself was born, interviewing incredible minds on how they understand themselves and how they utilize knowledge and awareness to set out into their space. 360 Yourself is a dedicated podcast meeting brilliant and curious minds and looking at the world around them. I speak to artists, musicians, sports athletes, authors, CEOs, and experts in human behaviors, released every Sunday at 12 o'clock. I ask questions about their mindset, journey values ethos to fully understand how each of their minds work and process information how can we become more aware of ourselves to grow to the ultimate person we know we can be how do you 360 yourself to 360 the world around you If you do enjoy our episodes that you're listening to and certain themes and topics ignite within you, please visit our Instagram page at 360 underscore yourself to tell us how you're growing and learning. Or you can email us, jamie at 360yourself.co.uk. That's jamie at 360yourself.co.uk. And I'll read out every episode at the end, stories and comments from you, the audience. The 360ers. thank you and remember to 360 yourself. Hey Christian how you doing?
1: Thanks so much for having me great to be here.
0: No thank you for coming on I was just before we started I was just basically like just saying how much I am in love with all your research that you're doing in your book as well which is called Connect the Dots but we'll, we'll get more into that later on but Um, I firstly want to say thank you very much Um, where are you based at this moment in time because I'd love to ask these questions because I like to know where everyone is in the world.
1: Yeah in New York but I used to live in London so very nostalgic uh, speaking.
0: How how long was you living in London? 10 years. 10 years what made you want to move to New York then?
1: I had professional opportunities and then you know I fell in love here and now have a baby so we uh, you know, it, it, it turned out serendipity. So uh, it became home for me.
0: That's great. I mean, I was talking to someone uh, yesterday who's from Adelaide in Australia. And then she was like, uh, she went to Parsons in New York. She lived there for a bit. And then she lived in Bondi Beach. And then she moved over to London. And then she wants to go to LA. And I'm like, that's amazing. You get, we're now in a situation. Imagine back, I was saying to her, but basically, imagine back in like 1920, 1930. And you didn't have the opportunity that like we do to travel like maybe you like going to Spain was like the biggest thing that you do. And now we can just like move and travel. It's just I find it so fascinating how things have progressed over like 100 years of like travel and like communication.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I'm actually a big fan. You know, I mean, COVID obviously has taken a lot from us. But one thing it's given us, I feel, is that you know Zoom has become our own private plane, right? I'm literally in your living room right now with you, uh, and we're having a conversation. Um, so I feel, yeah, modern technology, and so is also just blowing my mind what we can do with that.
0: Is it? Do you know the story about Zoom, the founder, how he made Zoom?
1: I don't actually know. So
0: I'm going to tell you because I there's another podcast which I'm going to promote because I really love it. It's called I think it's called How I Built This, um,
1: oh, yeah. mm-hmm.
0: and it basically says like about loads of different founders and entrepreneurs, how they make businesses. And apparently, so Skype was already running and Microsoft's team was already running. this guy was a database guy. Um, and everyone just said, look, it's never going to work. Like why, it, the market's already sort of crowded. Why build something like this? And he said, you know what, it's fine. I'm going to do it anyway, but I'm going to make it better. And then he did. And then within like a couple of years, he obviously became, the well, Zoom became the number one sort of, thing because i think it, instead of being one-to-one it became a group um activity for different corporations because you could have more than one person in the in the conversation where well, apparently before this you couldn't and so there was then so he had sort of the upper hand in terms of the product because four or five people could go in and then obviously he kept on expanding expanding they can go to obviously now can go to 100 to 200 um and then obviously within lockdown it just escalated and the company's gone crazy. But I love the idea that the market was really saturated and everyone was like, there's no point, why try? And he was like, you know what? I'm going to to build something better. And it kind of resonates to me about persistence and also when people think the opportunity is gone or the window's gone, just build a better product and you'll be fine.
1: Yeah, fair, fair. And and to your point, right? It's, yeah, that persistence and then the right being at the right place at the right time a lot of times I guess depends on that persistence right of actually persisting until the time is right
0: oh man I mean the right place right time I mean how do you explain that how do you, I mean I'm sure you can do but how do you explain like the right place right time how do you know it's even it is even the right time when you're in that moment because you can only know when you look back
1: that's true that's true and actually you know I mean one thing and I'm sure we'll we'll dive into that later but what I find fascinating about when you think about things like serendipity, right? where you have these unexpected moments and then they turn out to you know really change your life or your business or or something else, like what when you look back like the initial moment itself, like y- you know you couldn't see it coming, but you can certainly do a lot of things that makes it more likely that such a moment comes right. And I think that's the the cool thing that we can create that muscle for the unexpected in a way.
0: Mm, indeed, so. So. Uh, before we dive into that, because I've got, I've got so many questions for you, how did it all start off for you in your early teens? And then when you started studying this particular area, how did it, how did it start?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I used to be that kid in high school. I was kicked out of high school, had to repeat a year, um, you know, transferred this lifestyle into my driving style and probably helped the uh, unofficial world record of how many dustbins you can knock over on your way to school when you're driving. Uh, and then one day wasn 't so lucky anymore and and, and had a, a car crash. Um, all cars completely destroyed, including my own and um, one memory that that I, that I have is the policeman came coming to the scene and saying, "Oh my god, he's still alive and so this idea that I was supposed to be dead that that stuck with me, and I asked myself all these weird questions you know if I would have died, who would have come to my funeral? Who would have actually cared? was it all worth it And at that point, I had only depressing answers um, and so It took me in this intense search for meaning, trying to figure out what is life all about. Why are we here? Um, And I started reading this amazing book, uh, Viktor Frankl's *Man's Search for Meaning*, which is all about the question of, of how do we find meaning in the toughest of circumstances. And what I realized is what gives me a lot of meaning is connecting ideas, connecting people, seeing how they all fit together. And so I started out as a community builder, and then went more into entrepreneurship, social entrepreneurship, and later academia. and you know, what I found fascinating on this journey is that the most inspiring, successful, purpose-driven people, they seem to have something in common, which is that they intuitively cultivate serenity. They, they somehow see a little bit more in the unexpected and then they connect the dots and, and do something amazing with it. Um, and so this is really a lot of the work now to say, is there a science-based framework for this? Can we, can we somehow learn from all these people from around the world who intuitively do that and then try to understand, is there a pattern that we can all learn from and doing our day-to-day lives
0: well they say though certain skills can also be mastered obviously if you put ten thousand hours in some talents obviously you're born doing it and you're born uh, born able to be at a certain standard or a certain level and it just you're more adapted to it but certain skills like reading and like maths and you might be slightly better at it, because it depends on how you're how you're what wi- you're wired but I- i'm fascinating to know like the the idea about connecting the dots and people who are in quote successful how do you how can we learn from that
1: yeah it's interesting because you know realistically we all have very different starting positions right so uh, i work a lot for example in extreme poverty contexts so if you're a social entrepreneur somewhere in kibera an impoverished area in kenya you have a very different starting position of how you can connect dots then you know me sitting here in the West Village in New York and having access to education and networks. And, and so I think like there, there is kind of like objectively speaking like certain constraints that we face and we have to work on those. And then at the same time to your point, I think where it gets really exciting is to think about what are ways that we can actually uh, embark on that, that help us to have more uh, you know connect the dots moment happens. And there, there's two things that, that I'm a big fan of that everyone can do uh, in their day to day. One is to allow other people to connect more dots um, and so one, one way to do that is to um, use a hook strategy. And the hook strategy is all about saying, you know, um, take Ollie Barrett, who's an amazing entrepreneur in London. Um, and if you would ask him this dreaded, what do you do question, you know, that we all get at a conference and wherever you go. Or you, and, or you, know, you
0: get it at Soho House or any of those other exactly, places you go, what exactly, do you do?
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And he wouldn't just say, I'm a technology entrepreneur. He would say, I'm a technology entrepreneur recently started reading into the philosophy of science but what i'm really excited about is playing the piano and so what he's doing here is he's giving you three potential hooks where you could be like oh my god such a coincidence my sister is teaching on the philosophy of science you should give a guest lecture oh my god such a coincidence we are hosting piano sessions you should stop by the point is that we can use every interaction every um you know communication with people to seed a couple of to cast a couple of these hooks that other people can connect them to what they are most interested in. And so they're really an easy way to do it is to say, let's do a serendipity journal where you write down two or three of the things you're really excited about at the moment, and then seed that into different conversations. So that's kind of like an example of how we can, in a way, um, you know, allow other people to connect the dots. But I think where it gets really exciting also is to think about how can we connect more dots, um, seeing more things, being more alert to things. I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that, um, and, and especially also how we reframe conversations and, and situations, right? Away from uh, "Oh my God, this is a constraint." To "Hey, there's an opportunity in almost every situation."
0: Mm. So um, I love that idea about the hook, though, because obviously we we are creatures of relate- relatability. And if someone says, "Oh, I can play piano," and then you something, then you kind of like you, you snap your fingers in your brain, and somehow you go, "Actually, I'll be, I was looking for a piano player." Or Oh yeah, my sister is a PR And then suddenly we are we're connecting on a totally different level rather than a professional level. We're talking as people.
1: Exactly. And you know, it, it also really comes to um, like when you when you look at it from, from the side of how we ask questions, right? Do we ask these kind of what do you do questions, uh, or do we ask slightly different ones that focus a bit more on what the other person is all about? So, for example, let's say you go to, you know um brighton and you have a great kind of uh, you know weekend out and you meet this fisherwoman and um you know you ask her what do you do uh, she'll say well i'm a fisherwoman and then the, the conversation might break down or, or a fisherman right and, and, and the conversation might break down not with me not with you I'm i, sure. I, I would sure. i would i would think
0: because i'm a curious being i'd be like what kind of fish where, where do you fish <laughs> That's how I talk to people. I connect with so many people because I'm just curious about anything anyway, but continue. continue. No, that's great.
1: Right. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk more about that, but that curiosity of course is at the core of a lot of, of serendipity happen. But, but, you know, in, in a way, what, what we usually do is we, we ask people that kind of, what do you do question? And then we put them in a box and we assume we don't have a lot in common with them. But actually, if you would ask her something more like, you know, what do you enjoy doing? And she might be like, Hey, I enjoy being on the sea. I enjoy X, Y, Z, or you know things that in a way tell us a bit more about the person then we might realize oh my god yeah like you enjoy being on the sea for the endlessness of the sea well i enjoy philosophy for the endlessness of knowledge you know what i mean and so i think those kind of to 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 your point these common denominators we only find once we kind of allow people to give us a little bit of that kind of potential overlap by asking them more open-ended questions and and things like that
0: Mm, yeah but it also it, it It allow it allows the conversation to go deeper than surface level. And I think coming out of COVID, I think people have separated from those surface level conversations that they were having potentially with it with um acquaintances. And now we're trying to seek deeper conversations about people rather than what surface level conversation we were having beforehand. This is what I'm this is my research and my findings from people that i'm interacting with after covid
1: yeah it's interesting right because if you think about it in a way covid was almost a collective near-death experience right where it's like wow like life can be over the way we know it very quickly right i mean my newborn like my grand like her grandparents couldn't really visit her for a long time because literally the, the airports were closed i mean how crazy is that like could you have imagined that only a few few years ago and so it's kind of in a way uh, the fascinating thing that I think with this collective near-death experience, what, what, what I feel happened with a lot of people is to think about, okay, if life can be over so quickly, how do I live it in a more meaningful way? How do I have more meaningful conversations? How, I do, how do I, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it reminds me in a way of these deathbed regrets, um, you know, where uh, those of you interested, um, when you Google deathbed regrets, um, nuns, I think in The Guardian or somewhere, they essentially uh, summarized the study where they asked nuns, what are the deathbed regrets of people? And it's it's always the same stuff, right? It's always like, I wished I had uh, lived kind of like a more meaningful life. I wished I had I had more meaningful connect, uh, conversations with people and, and so, on, so on, so on, so on. So, and I think that's kind of in a way what COVID did a little bit to us, right? That it's kind of this reminder of, oh my God, like, hey, like, 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 the, it, autopilot is great, but 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 actually like what is life really about? And I think it, it opened up a lot of questions for everyone. But also it give us gives us a great common denominator, right? To really talk about. Like I can now talk with you and say, Hey, how did you survive COVID? Oh yeah. Okay. Now I can relate to that. And so yeah. it's to your point it goes deeper then, right?
0: Mm, I know. I mean you never get to your deathbed gone, oh, could have made that bit more money. <laughs> never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> never or, or could have, or should have sold that property in Malibu. I mean, I mean even if you could afford a Malibu, but you you never have those 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 thoughts about uh materialistic things. It's always, always generally about connections. Like how do we strengthen our connections with people? And and also how do we help more people in our space? I think that's what I think without 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 them actually even asking i think that's something that i was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago and i'm i i'm a massive av- advocate for helping others like i help people. if someone says i need something done i'm there i'm 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 there straight away but something that someone said to me so in, in the podcast is the idea of like helping others before they h- ask for help and i was like do i do this enough and then i started like connecting the dots with people going I think this person, this person would work really well. And then I messaged both of them individually and say, do you mind if I connect you to this person and then vice versa? And just connecting those people without them having, without having any agenda, without having absolutely anything, just to see what would happen. Because I believe they would work really, really well. And hopefully something would happen, but I also don't get anything from it. And I think even it's the whole idea about, we do something but we will always get something back even if it's an, a, a chemical reaction but with these sort of situations i won't get anything back i might get a small chemical reaction but i literally won't get it back because I'm just, I'm just i literally just want to connect people and help them out
1: absolutely and actually you know it, it brings to mind two things one is um i feel there's there's a lot of work around the idea that giving actually makes us happier than taking but, but actually, we created a world that's focused on taking, right? And so that's slightly perverted, right? That in a way, like most companies, when you look at them, they're kind of designed in a way where it's like more money, more this, more this. But actually, what really makes us joyful is to be generous, right? And so it's kind yeah. of the, there's this weird kind of dynamic around this where... And, and that's, I think, is, is so exciting about, um, you know, some of the work that's happening at the moment to say, how do we think about more purpose-driven kind of organizations and more purpose-driven settings? where well, we actually go back to exactly this, that at the end of the day, we're all primed to help each other, but actually we're kind of getting into fight or flight and like somehow figure out like, and, and, and also maybe, you know, redefine, the redefining success away from that the Forbes list is all about who has the most money to actually the Forbes list should be about who has been most generous or who has been, you know, in a way kind of like contributed most to the world. And I think that's kind of like the, the interesting changes at the moment that I think a lot of people wonder, right? Like, like have I lived to the right success kind of criteria here and does it doesn't matter if you have five or six like cars in your garage once you're on your deathbed, and and I think most people would would probably think that that it doesn't really, and, and that's why I enjoy, by the way, talking a lot with people who, um, you know, are for example close to retirement or where something is like where where the end is near, you know, because then kind of like people think about the really relevant questions versus like the kind of you know Larry farry stuff that we have in the day to day. But who cares when you're on your deathbed then?
0: Mm, interesting. How how do you decipher what is success though? Like when when we when we look back at our lives, how do you determine what is success and who and what is success is for us? Like I find that I question, I ponder that quite a lot. What is success?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, right? And and I feel, you know, I can only speak for myself in terms of that, that like I to me it's changed over time, right? If you would have asked me in my early 20s, it was all about scale it was all about bringing ideas globally and making sure that like you know you you have as much impact as you can and like really do something in the world and and now you know being a new father I'm like okay I want to make sure that she can live in a world that's actually worth living in and and so let me see how I can do that and so I I feel like it changes over time but but um but but what I do find interesting is how um a lot of our work is around um you know kind of how you integrate profit and purpose and and what I find interesting in this is that I feel like people who are cl- like close to retirement or people who maybe have cancer or or some kind of other terminality that that will that that's close to them i think that's when success criteria are adjusting towards okay let me try to better understand what's not the peer pressure what actually is driven by me intrinsically and i think that's like w- when i work with young people one of the things we try to figure out is to say let's get like for a second, let's step back and not think about what your family wants from you, what what you think your peers will appreciate about you and all those kind of external factors. And let's just kind of like think about if you were here and you could literally kind of, you know, like design the playing field, like what is it that you find truly meaningful to yourself? And I think that's really where I found Viktor Frankl so helpful, where Viktor Frankl was just really good at saying, this is how you create your own meaning. And this is how you make life meaningful. And I think um, to me that that's always resonated a lot that success flows from the feeling of what feels meaningful
0: mm. yeah and, and i think i think the, uh, what it's the idea of what is meaning though like meaning can change uh, for me meaning can be broken down into daily things like it doesn't need to be a grant like there was there was a as a an interview i was, uh, I was listening to of a guy and how he talked about accomplishments and if you want to climb a mountain don't think about climbing a mountain think about climbing for five minutes every time and then it's the same thing for like drawing don't think about drawing a masterpiece think about every single day I'm going to draw for five minutes and then suddenly you have a masterpiece over x amount of time and the idea like these meaningful experiences that doesn't mean to be like how do I have a meaningful life which is a massive statement it's how do I have meaningful experiences on a daily thing and also having the idea about productivity. Like I want to be as productive as possible, but like I, I could literally be productive by getting up and making my bed as a small thing.
1: Exactly, exactly. And I think that's where, where Viktor Frankl was really interesting because I mean, he was in a concentration camp, right? So that's the toughest of situations you can imagine. And there's no hope, like there's, there's no intrinsic meaning being in a, in a camp where you know that you will die soon, right? That's, that's kind of like the toughest situation. But he essentially created meaning. He, he said, okay, I have a day-to-day meaning where every day I will speak with another fellow prisoner and make them feel better about themselves. And by doing this now, I have a, I have a to your point, like a day-to-day meaning, right? Mm-hmm. And then also when I get out of this, at some point, hopefully, then I want to write a book. And I want to I reflect on this. And so he had a day-to-day meaning and a bigger meaning. And so I've always been fascinated by exactly that kind of duality of meaning, right? Like how do you in your own life have day-to-day practices that feel meaningful but also is there kind of like a broader north star that you're kind of working towards that that gives you some kind of fulfillment and and I've always been fascinated by this because I think a lot of people push this idea of like yeah find your passion find your purpose and stuff and I always feel that's kind of like trying to over-engineer it because if you're a young person let's say you're 20 years old and you want to kind of like, like go out there in the world, it's a lot of pressure to find your purpose. But like, if you're saying no, instead of purpose, like find your curiosity, find what you, what you feel feels meaningful to you. And and that's what I loved about what you said earlier about that, that you have that curiosity that you would even find overlaps with the fisherman or the fisherwoman. right? Because I obviously would. And I do my, is, right? my,
0: my, my yeah. friends, my friends get so annoyed sometimes because I'll go off on one. <laughs> I will have a conversation like my mother. I will have conversations with anyone and everywhere. Cause I'm just curious. Like, I just want to know like what machinery they're using or like how, what time do they get up? Like, I just want to know. Cause I'd love to be, I'd love to be that person that a pub quiz that I know what time a fisherman
1: gets up. <laughs> <laughs> there you go there you go um, but, but but to your point right it makes ma- it makes life much more joyful that way right because you're kind of oh, like yeah you, you don't get bored you don't you know what I mean like it's kind of yeah
0: no it's true though I mean life life is so I think I think there's obviously there's multiple kind of uh, mindsets to life isn't it like there can be a thing like I'm go I've got nothing going on but actually there's so much going on like there is so much going on in your life, like whether you can have a conversation with your local coffee person, uh, your barista, I mean, and, and, and see what and see how their day is going or just like go for, a, go for a walk and meet people. Like there is always something going on, even if you feel like there's nothing going on in your day because you want to be make the most meaningful day or you want to make the most productive day. But there's always something you can always do something to to improve your mental uh, state every single day and it's just about switching uh, a light bulb or switching um the the what you call it, a light switch to able for you to actually go after those things or to just keep curious i think i love that i do i honestly love that that quote of just be be curious because there is something always going on somewhere and you can always learn whether it is how a barista makes a coffee or where does the beans come from or anything?
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I, it's so fascinating, right? Because it, it makes me think of, you know, when people say, Oh my God, I just kind of, was at that kind of, I don't know, like back in the days when they still had these kind of events where you could actually sit with people and then there would be, Oh, I was seated next to this boring person. So, and so. no, that's, 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 that's on you. Like you, you, you kind of didn't like, of course, some people are objectively a bit less exciting than others, but, everyone has a story to tell, right? It's just about, like, it's for us then to ask questions. It's for us to, you know, if you have that person that seems extremely boring, that maybe, you know, I mean, you know, works in accounting in the basement and, and whatever, whatever, like even that person, right? Like maybe went through a transition where uh, they had to cope with their sister having cancer and, and they learned a lot from that transition or whatever it is. But there's, there's most likely beautiful overlaps once we ask questions that allow us to find those. But unfortunately, because we usually don't do that, um then actually it feels like oh this is boring this is boring but i think it's a more the, the approach you have is a much more human approach right because it allows the other person to to flourish in a way right and 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 to 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 also bring out who they could be versus just uh being in that box that we put people in
0: indeed i like people i like i like to give people the space to speak because everyone just wants to be heard literally mm-hmm. the simplest thing yeah. everyone wants to be heard and if you just be silent people will talk or Ask questions. Just keep asking questions because people will talk. But going following on from what you just said about sitting down with someone next to you and those encounters, how in a in in a larger scale or more zoomed out scale, how do we look at different encounters in life? Whether it is we're meeting our lover, or we meet we happen to meet someone and then we come up with an idea, then we make a business like. There obviously are those conversations about power universes where you take a left turn and you did this, or you took a right turn at a crossroads and you did that. But I'm fascinated with these near-miss experiences that could have happened.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and you know, it's interesting. It reminds me of, a, of an experiment, actually. Um, and, and just as a side note, just it came to mind when you said about, you know, the kind of asking question piece in terms of how, um, you know, how there's a lot around this idea that, people, when they go on dates, they always think the best thing they can do on a date is to essentially pitch the other person, right? So to, to tell them about how exciting you are and all these things. And it turns out like the, the thing that actually kind of makes people want to go on a second date with you is that you ask them a lot of questions and they then, they don't even remember what exactly was being talked about, but they remember that they felt in that moment, wow, like this is someone who hears me and t- to your point, right? So just to to, to 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 underline your point of of actually that, Asking questions also is is the the most amazing way to actually build connection. Um, but 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 to your, to your point, I think it's really interesting when you think about it. Like, how do you you know in the world we live in, you know, kind of like see things and see the unexpected? Because most of the time we miss it, right? We miss we miss serendipity most of the time. And um, one experiment um, that I'm a big fan of that that is a bit more around the kind of alertness uh, point. Is um uh, and, and it would be interesting, you know, Jamie, do you consider yourself to be lucky or unlucky?
0: Um, I don't know what I say. I'd say lucky when I'm, man- so I'm a big manifester. I'm a big person of like visualizing it and then being productive and doing it. So whether that is lucky and then things happen. So I, I actually, you know, I would say I'm, I'm quite lucky that of all the things that I have, got in my life i would say i'm quite lucky compared to others yeah
1: yeah and and that's great because because it makes it more likely now that you will be lucky in the future and and so so in this experiment for example they um they took people who self-identify as very lucky so people who say good things tend to happen to me yada yada and people who say um you know who consider themselves to be very unlucky so people who say bad things tend to happen to me i'm always in accidents and so on right and we probably know all people in our lives on both sides of that kind of continuum Um, and, and, And so they pick one of each and they say, walk down the street, go into the coffee shop, order a coffee, sit down, and then we'll have our conversation. What they don't tell them is that there's hidden cameras along the street and inside the coffee shop. There's a five pound note, so money in front of the coffee shop. And inside the coffee shop, there's one seat empty next to this extremely successful businessman who can make big dreams happen. Now, the lucky person walks down the street, sees the five pound note, picks it up. Goes inside the shop, orders a coffee, sits next to the businessman. They have a conversation, exchange business cards, potentially an opportunity coming out of it. We don't know that part. The other person, the unlucky person, walks down the street, steps over the five pound note, so doesn't see it. Goes inside the shop, orders the coffee, sits next to the businessman, ignores the businessman, and that's it. Now, at the end of the day, they ask both people, how was your day today? And so the lucky person says, well, it was amazing. I found money in the street, made new friends, and you know, potentially an opportunity coming out of it. The unlucky person just says, well, nothing really happened. And, you know, that kind of alertness to the unexpected happening all the time. Like I find a lot of money in the street, unfortunately, mostly pennies. So it doesn't really like add up to to any kind of good lifestyle. But um, it's amazing how often the unexpected happens, but we don't see it because we don't expect it to be there. I don't expect like if I don't expect money to be in the street, I don't look for it. And then it's not there. If I don't expect that, if I take another street to work in the morning, And I could see a book in the bookstore that makes me realize, oh, this could be a podcast. Then I might not look with that alertness um, or read with that alertness and so on. And so that's what I've I've gotten fascinated by in terms of thinking about how many incidences in life. It's really just about us seeing something in the moment and then doing something with it. Um, And to maybe give you an example, I'm a huge fan of the the potato washing machine. Uh, And and, and the potato washing machine is essentially a a couple of years ago, um, you know, uh, there's this, this refrigerator company and they produce washing machines and so on in, in China, and they receive calls from farmers. And the farmers told them, your crappy machine is always breaking down. Well, why is it breaking down? Well, we're trying to wash our potatoes in it and it doesn't seem to work. And so, you know, what would we usually do? We'll probably tell them, well, don't wash your potatoes in the washing machine, right? Not made for that. They did the opposite. They said, you know what? That's unexpected, but maybe there's something there. And maybe if we built in a dirt filter, that could be a potato washing machine. And that's how unexpectedly the potato washing machine emerged. And that's how, you know, up to 50% of innovations emerge. And that's how a lot of other things happen where we see something in the unexpected that others might have just discarded because they don't believe there's something there that could be helpful or meaningful.
0: Mm. It's, I mean, I would call that an opportunist. That's what I would say i've got i've got a lot of friends who are opportunists who see things that people don't see and you're just like oh my god how did you see that and then they somehow make that happen whatever it is they then build something around it that people didn't see it
1: well and if you think about it right like all these things i mean from viagra to penicillin to other things it's literally people seeing something in the moment and then to your point like seeing some kind of opportunity uh being in a way opportunistic about it and 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 doing something about it but but it's 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 fascinating, right? When you think about how often we might have missed that in our life. I mean, think about that moment where you go into a coffee shop, you spill coffee over someone. I mean, if you have erratic hand movements like I do, you you spill a lot of coffee. And imagine you spill coffee over someone, and they look at you slightly annoyedly, but you feel there might be something there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now you have two options, right? Option one is you just say I'm so sorry. You walk outside, and you think ah what could have happened had I spoken with a person. Option number two, you speak with a person and that person becomes the love of your life, your co-founder, you name it. But the point is we probably all had a lot of situations where serendipity could have happened, but it didn't because something held us back, right? And I think that's the really interesting thing where um, we, might even, we might see something in the moment, but we might not act on it because of you know, things like fear of rejection, imposter syndrome, Or, um, you know, other things that in a way hold us back because we limit ourselves. And I mean, I've had that a lot with, you know, things like fear of rejection, for example, right? When you kind of, when you have that fear that you can be rejected, you might not speak to the speaker at the conference or to that potential love interest in the the coffee shop. And then, you know, one thing that really helped me um, was to say, okay, what's the worst thing that can really happen here? And I realized, you know, I always assumed the worst thing that can happen is the rejection itself, right—the sting that comes from like someone not having time for you or, or, or not being interested. But then I realized, no, the worst thing that can happen is when you walk outside and that nagging feeling of ah, what could have happened. That's what exactly. the energy.
0: That's why I always if, I, I remember, if I'm in any in situ- if I'm in any situation i literally do, just do it because that feeling of regret i don't like i don't like if i also fear something i do it because i don't like fear um and i don't like the regret thing so i always just get up and just do it and obviously the worst thing that happened is they either just say no i haven't got time and that's it and it's not the end of the world because then you just move on <laughs> but it's the whole <laughs> thing by ego isn't it it's the ego that gets hidden but i'm just like well you've got something is that like the context isn't it like they might be infatuated. They might be not be having a good day. It's all the context. And I think even when you're something like you're on a date or you're texting someone and they don't text you back for hours, and then people get wrapped up in the mental, their own mental thing. But actually, if you just zoom out a bit and go, actually, they might have this, 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 and on, or they might be this busy or whatever it is, and that's why they haven't come back to us. And it's the same thing when you when you approach someone or you have that encounter and you might get the rejection. It's only because they might have x amount of things going on or whatever
1: it's so true and 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 i feel that's one of the biggest learnings in life No, to to disconnect one's own self-worth from those kind of feedback things right exactly from, from the yeah. external environment
0: yeah yeah don't turn up with your ego just turn up just going i'm person interested question that's it not jamie who what ego just go hey and then if it happens if it happens it does it doesn't then we move on but just don't let it I think people will let it attach to them too much, and then it sort of burdens them, and then they start questioning. And they go down that rabbit hole, and you just like it's literally just a no. You just and then you there will be because it's obviously that whole thing about emails, isn't it? Like you got you can send a hundred emails, but you might only get one back. Cool. Well, just don't think about the whole night nine that said no. Exactly.
1: Exactly. <laughs> got that yes. Exactly. 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 You know, that's the fascinating thing, right? When when you when you when you think about in life, like whenever there's something you know, where you felt, Oh, this is a bit more than I thought could be possible. Yeah. But if you do that a couple of times, it actually becomes likely that one of these things happens or like, you know, people always assume, let's say you go to a conference and you're like, Oh my God, these, this person is the most senior person. So I won't go to them. I go to the second senior person. No, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, like it's, it's kind of like, like try and I've always been a big fan of, of, of this idea of putting ourselves into situations where actually we will get rejected just to get into the idea that this is normal. So for example, you know, going into a coffee shop and asking for free coffee, right? Like literally just going in and say, <laughs> Hey, can I have a free coffee today? And then, you know, you know, that they will most likely say no, actually funny enough. They say surprisingly often, yes, but, but um, you, you expect that they say no. Right. But you get so used to actually then being in situations where people say no, that you're like, Oh, actually, yeah, that's not a reflection of me. That's just what people do because it's not the thing you do in a, Coffee shop and you give free
0: coffee. Or just society, isn't it? I think is what society sort of potentially in, in quote brainwashes you that you shouldn't do those things or you can't do those things. But actually, if you then disrupt the, the 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 uh the paradigm or the 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 sequence of the universe or the space and actually add a different calculation in and actually go, you know what, I'm actually gonna ask for a free coffee, they'll obviously take back because obviously who would ask for a free
1: coffee? <laughs> do you know what I mean exactly 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 and that's the funny thing right that like these kind of quote-unquote ridiculous asks actually people respond a lot to it because they feel wow that's someone like there's something intriguing in there or is there a hidden camera somewhere you know what I mean like yeah. people, people then assume you're interesting right so that's kind of like interesting in itself I think but but anyways I think it's, it's kind of um, exactly those things were to your point like if we don't put ourselves into those situations we'll never know what could have happened right like mm. and that's what serendipity is about it's potentialities, all the things that could have happened uh, or could happen but but we need to in a way kind of push for it otherwise it, it a lot of times unfortunately it won't happen uh, by itself mm.
0: but also it go back to your experiment idea i was just having a thought like when people say you make your own luck or you make your own opportunity obviously within that situation there was a for some reason, there was a five pound on the floor that got there, I don't know how, and there was a businessman that was there for lunch. Obviously, (laughs) he was there, or she or they were there for lunch at two o'clock. But actually, if I put myself in that situation and made the opportunity to know beforehand, potentially that there was a business person that was going to be there in in the cafe, and I walk in and I know they're there, how does that work when you create opportunities or when opportunities are presented in front of you?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because in a, in a different but similar way, um, it reminds me a bit of, so, so, so we work a lot with, with people who are, you know, kind of running organizations and, 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 and do things like that. And, and the key challenge they always have is how much can you plan for, you know, whatever will happen for the organization versus what will be unexpected and how do I make the unexpected part of my plan? And so one thing, for example, they do is that they say, here's a sense of direction, here's where we're going, here's an approximate strategy, but then also the unexpected will be part of the plan. So if you run into a businessman who uh, unexpectedly tells you about a new opportunity, you can try to build that into it and it, it'll happen. And so it's almost like building the muscle for how can you prepare as much as you can? How can you try to understand who will be in that room, who will be at that conference, uh, You know, especially at conferences, right? You know who will be there. And so you can think a little bit about you know, who will be there and, and how to, to go about it. And then unexpectedly, there might be an opportunity to speak with them or to um, something coming out of it. But I think um, where it comes back to, to that North Star thing is really the bigger thing that no matter whom you run into, if you have your hooks, if you have something that actually gets people intrigued, it doesn't almost matter when exactly it is because it will always lead to something really interesting. And that's why I'm such a big fan of this hook strategy because it does exactly what what in a way you want to do, which is you you, you somehow, no matter whom you bump into, you always have something that you can, can, can put out there that they can then use and say, oh my God, yes, we can do something there and there um, because you give them a space to do that.
0: What, what's your hook strategy? What would you say when I say, when someone asks you, what do you do? What do you say?
1: Well, it's, it's been changing, but I think at the moment is, you know, I'm trying to take the situation. I come five minutes late to a meeting. I would be like, I'm so sorry I'm late. I, uh, you know, we just thought about how we can take the serendipity mindset into as many curricula as we can, but now I'm here and I'm so excited to be here. And so I would, I would try to build in kind of like that, you know, the content that I've been working on for the last 10 years that I'm so excited about, the serendipity mindset, thats all about how do we cultivate serendipity? How do we bring that into schools, high schools, organizations, uh, but also more broadly into as many uh, minds and hearts as possible. So I'm trying to seed that wherever I, I go and, and bring that in. Um, but then also I've, I've started to um, have another hook, which is really around parenthood and like really about that. We have a newborn and, and I'm trying to take care of her and I'm trying to learn as much as I can about how do you help a young girl in this world? That's really rough. Like, how do you help her to have a lot of self-worth and to, to really um, be thriving out there? So I think those two hooks at the moment um, are, are the ones that I'm most excited about.
0: Yeah. I mean, everyone can relate to babies and families. Um, I think, I think my, my one would be, uh, I've always wanted a Frenchie. <laughs> but like I've always wanted a Frenchie or I have, I'm a, I'm a cat daddy. And then people go, yeah, actually I love cats or, or, oh yeah, I totally, I totally relate. I would love a Frenchie as well. I think that would be my two.
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love it. It's so fascinating, isn't it? Like talking about connecting the dots and obviously that is a, The thing of your book but i i honestly do like and i i want to know like truly how do people learn how to connect the dots like how do you how do you make people this is the whole whole thing about 360 yourself and what we ask in our our philosophy is how do you 360 how do you understand yourself and be self-aware to yourself and the environment around you it's the same thing like how do you teach people how to see the dots and connect them
1: yeah. I mean that's a great question. That's literally I mean a whole book in a way but in, in, <laughs> yeah. um, summarize but, the whole book um, for me please. <laughs> <laughs> no but 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 one 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 strategy that I find very useful is to really sit down and think about what is it at the moment that is meaningful to me right? So to me meaningful at the moment means how do I take the content that I have and and embed it into different organizations. And so if that is the case, how do I now, when I have different types of conversations, try to understand how that links to that. And and so I'm a big fan of, of, for example, when I have a conversation, even with the most kind of different person, I'm thinking about, is there one kind of person I can introduce them to? Is there one idea that I can give them that relates to something that they do? But also then how do I set my own hooks in that same conversation? So it's that kind of two-way street where you're kind of like, putting hooks out there, but also trying to create something for them um, that that really kind of just adds beauty to their life. And um, I think that the easiest way there to get into that kind of modus is to really um, every conversation thinking about, is there one person I can put them in touch with? Is there one idea that relates to? And then what we do is it's neuroplasticity, neuroplasticity, right? Where the brain essentially um, kind of at, at some point reframes itself towards seeing those connections because you're you, you primed it to see, oh, actually, this could relate to this. This could relate to this. So there's a lot of these kind of strategies. But I think the the one that, that, that I've always found useful to start with is start with oneself in terms of what are my themes that I want to put out there so that other people can, can connect with them um, versus pitching on them. Uh, and then on the other hand, how can I, when I hear them speak, see their hooks and then kind of like connect those hooks to something else?
0: Yeah, because obviously, if you don't connect the dots, the dots within yourself, how can you connect the dots to your space, essentially?
1: Yeah. And you know what's fascinating? I mean, um, what you said earlier, right, that um, it, you, you mentioned something around how you sometimes when people speak with you, you make this kind of one introduction that just comes to you, right, intuitively. You don't even know what it might be, and and the other person might not have asked for it. And I've, I've, I've done that intuitively a lot also, especially when uh, in our community building time, and what I found fascinating is that a lot of times people who are not you might see something that you might not see yourself. Right. So, so to give an example, uh, a good friend of mine, um, she uh, you know, she worked in the NGO space. She, she worked in a nonprofit. And at some point she was like, Oh, like, I really don't want to do this work anymore. Like it's a sector that's kind of slow moving and so on. So, so she sent an email to like a couple of friends and said, Hey, look, like, Just letting you know, like I'm in a transition, and I would love to kind of work in a in a different role, maybe also in in another nonprofit, whatever. And so a friend gets back to her and says, "Wow, like hey, I just interviewed for a tech accelerator that also has a bit of an impact element, and I didn't take the job, but I could put you forward." And and she's like, "Well, what do I have to do with tech? Like, what do I have to do with like like this is not my world." And her friend saw that, "Hey, your skill set." knowing about impact and everything else, could actually be really useful in another context. And and, and the interesting thing, I mean, she got the job in the end and everything else, but the point here is that a lot of times we cannot see things that other people can see because we don't know all contexts, right, by definition. And I saw that the same when making introductions for others. Sometimes I would just do it based on a gut feeling because I felt there might be an area they might be interested in exploring or something like that, But I wouldn't be able even sometimes to articulate it, I would just make the introduction. And then after five months, someone gets back and says, my God, like, we just set up a new company. And we didn't even know that we would have something in common like this, or whatever it is, right. So it's kind of those things where I feel a lot of times it comes back to this idea that other people might sense something in you or see something in you that you might not see yourself yet.
0: And. So as we draw to a close, which I am a bit upset that we are, because I could literally talk to you for a long time. Because I'm fas- i mean, I'm fascinated with with this idea of connecting the dots and and, and how we um, create create opportunities or how opportunities are presented and, and encounters. But is there one piece of advice um, that, or think something that you've been inspired? Um, in your past life or present that you give back to your younger self or someone in the audience it might be something from your book it might be like a one main key um, bit or it might be like a, a painting it might be a podcast it might be absolutely anything what would you sort of give back
1: I mean one thing that I wished I had known earlier and that I hope especially very very young uh, people um, see is that I think know there's a lot of anxiety because the world is changing so fast and and we feel we have to have a plan and like map things out but most people are just winging it right and that's okay and 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 so it's really kind of this idea of most people are just winging it and that's okay like we do what we can but we cannot plan everything out and so i think you know after the third glass of red wine even the most high-powered ceo will say i don't always have control i have to pretend i have control but i don't always have control and that's okay and i think So so to me, it's really and, and that's really at the core of this work to say, hey, at the end of the day, we all pretend we're always in control. Like, you know, when you take your CV and you go to a new employer, you might say, oh, I went I did this and this and this. And then I wanted to do this. Yeah. Or maybe you just bumped into someone and unexpectedly you got another thing. And so so life is more like a squiggle. And I think once we once we once we really kind of appreciate that for ourselves and accept that and accept that life is imperfect, accept that there will not be a kind of. Perfect plan that we can map out now. I think that takes the pressure off a little bit that we have to figure it all at once and we have to know everything at once. And so I really hope that that we'll get to that point where um, we normalize imperfection uh, in the sense that nobody likes making mistakes, nobody likes failing in things. But also at the same time, that's a lot of times the inflection points for something even more beautiful, right? You have to break up with the wrong person and it feels bad in the moment. But that opens the door to the real person that that is supposed to be w- with you, right? So it's kind of really those things of like normalizing imperfection and and being okay that not everything will always go according to plan, but actually there might be something even more beautiful there.
0: Yeah, I can't. I literally can't agree with you anymore. I literally live by this. I I just I just welcome it. I go because I'll I I listen to so many amazing stories. One on the podcast, but I'm I'm an av- um, advocate for and um. I, I, I seek out different um, people who may be in the same um, path of me, or maybe something different, or totally different. And like you hear, like those stories of um, them um, failing in in quotes uh, two companies, and suddenly they they the third company they become a billionaire <laughs> at fifty five or whatever it is, or um, they had this breakup, and then suddenly they um, made a book. Or wrote a book two months later and i and i love this idea that that's what happens because obviously you can't plan these things and things just happen and just accepting that life is like that and if i become whoever i need to become at 40 rather than 30 then so be it because that's, that's the way it's meant to be
1: exactly exactly you know we'll never forget um a mentor of mine um i asked him for a question once and and he was like, Christian, people like you always assume there's one best way to go. There's one best way to go to Rome. But how do you know you actually want to be in Rome? And, and, and there's also a lot of different ways to Rome. And I, that really stuck with me to exactly your point, right? A, does it really matter if it's now or in two years? Or, you know, do I know that, you know, in two years from now, like, who knows how the world will look like? Um, we don't even know which jobs will exist in two years. And so it's, it, to exactly your point, I think it takes the pressure off a bit by by having that kind of idea of when I'm 30, I have to do exactly this versus no, like I want to do in the day-to-day what feels meaningful, what somehow pays the bills, what somehow, you know, makes sure that like there is some kind of meaningful impact I'm having in this world. But, but, but it's not about, you know, it's this whole idea of not attaching too much to the outcome itself or not attaching too much to, particular things one wants to do but more like really attaching to what are the kind of principles i live to and and what are the kind of you know this kind of whole idea that that it's about the journey and not the destination
0: exactly i mean i haven't learned this straight away it took me a long 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 time to get to this point but um in my early 20s i was very much in the whole 25 this 30 this 40 that and then i'll see as you get older and and you mature and you experience things and you see things so, so differently. But um, I want to say thank you so much for coming on 360 yourself. It's honestly, I, I truly want to say thank you because I personally have learned so much and I, and I can't rate the book enough uh, to people. So you can get it um, at most um, bookstores, I believe. Um, Amazon is obviously the one that I usually go to. Um, it's called Connecting the Dots. Um, It's incredible. It will change your your way that you see uh, the way that you operate. I think it's amazing. So thank you so much, Christian, for coming on 360 yourself. You have been 360. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to our awesome guests. Please subscribe to our podcast to access all our amazing episodes. We are released every Sunday at 12 o'clock. We are available on all listening platforms, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram for more discussions, education, and inspiration at 360 underscore yourself. The host, that's me, Jamie Neal, on Instagram at JM. If you do enjoy our episodes that you're listening to and certain themes and topics ignite within you, please email jamie at 360.co.uk and I'll read out at the end of each episode stories and comments from you, the audience, the 360ers. And remember to 360 yourself,